0: So we've been uh, focusing on salt and light the last few weeks, specifically on salt, and uh, this week on light. So uh, for the next few weeks, we're uh, just focusing intently on what that means. So when we talk about light, I wonder what comes to mind. Um, For some of us, it might be that slow um, uh, arrival of dawn each day where it's dark, and then it starts to get a little bit of light, and eventually you can see what's outside. Um, Others it might be that shock as the curtains are opened and it's already light outside and it streams in and sort of really jolts you awake. Perhaps um, it's the way that uh, different light changes through the day and you look at the same scene but sometimes it looks bright and sometimes there's more shadows and sometimes it's more dull. Uh, For some people it might be the moon and the stars and you think of light and focus on that. Um, Perhaps it's a a well-positioned street light that shines in through your bedroom window each night and uh, causes you to stay awake. Or it could be uh, those annoying, you know, really vibrant, bright blue headlights that some cars seem to have and you drive along and they come and you know you shouldn't look at them but you can't help but look at them and then you can't see anything else. This time of the year maybe it's Christmas decorations and Christmas lights. So There's a lot of things to think about when it comes to light. Perhaps it might even be one of those light bulb moments. And uh, I was looking through a few cartoons through the week for a good light bulb moment one. And I like this one that's uh, on the screen here. I'm sure that's none of you. I'm sure that's none of you. Light, lots of things come to mind, don't they? And I guess it's no surprise to learn that light gets a huge mention in the Bible. Many times. But it's not so much the number of times that light is mentioned, it's what it represents and its significance. Our key verse this morning is from Ephesians chapter 5, and that'll be on the screen, verse 8. For once you were full of darkness... But now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. And I guess that raises the question what does it mean to have been in darkness, but now be in the light? There's a lot of phrases in the Bible that talk about used to be in darkness, now in light. Once living in darkness, but not now. Now that you have the light, etc., etc., and I guess in simplicity, it means that living without God, but now living with God. I knew a teacher who used to love to confound students by saying things like, There's no such thing as darkness, just the absence of light. Might have been a teacher, Emily, that you had, I think. Anything coming to mind? (laughs) Or else he'd say, there's no such thing as cold, just the absence of heat. And he'd go on with that and get the children to wrestle through that and debate it and so forth. But his point being, in terms of darkness and light, you can't make darkness. You can make light, light a match, light a fire, turn on a torch... But you can't make darkness. All you can do is block out the light. So there's no real thing as darkness. It's just the absence of light. And perhaps it could be the same for us in regards to the absence of God in our lives. It's not that there is no God. It's just that there could be an absence of him in your life. And therefore spiritual darkness. Perhaps you've visited the Genolan Caves. I remember being there um, some years ago now. And as we're going through the caves, getting deeper and deeper underground and being amazed by the creations in the caves, um, the guide said, now I'm going to turn off the light. I want you to be near a railing and hang on. If you've got little kids, hold them as well. It's going to be dark. It's going to be very, very dark. In fact, it's going to be pitch dark. There's going to be no light. And he was saying that your eyes would try and adjust to the dark. And if we were to pull the blinds down and turn off the lights here and it got dark, our eyes would adjust to a minimum amount of light. He said, there's no light at all. And your eyes can never adjust to it. He said, you may think you can see and you might wave your hand in front of your eyes and think, I can see that, but it's your brain deceiving you. You can't really see your hand. And if you were to be in this darkness for 15, 20 minutes, you'd start to be disoriented. And you wouldn't really know which way you came from. You might think, I came from behind, I'll follow back that way. But you mightn't be going that direction. He said, if you're in the darkness for a while, you can't even tell whether you're walking up a slope or down a slope. You get totally disoriented. And he turned off the lights. And he was right. It was very dark. It was very dark and there was no getting used to it. There was no getting used to it. It was just a matter of hanging on to the railing and uh, just waiting to sort of experience that. And after a few minutes, he turned the lights back on. And I think that's a great analogy for spiritual darkness as well. We're fooled into thinking that we can see what life's all about and we can see a purpose. And our minds are really deceiving us. We can't see it all. And perhaps we're not even aware that in spiritual darkness without God that we're stumbling and we're not going in the direction we think we are. Maybe in a worldly sense, people living in darkness think it's not too bad, I've got a good job, the house isn't too bad, I've got a great family, health is pretty good. But when the world passes away, there's just darkness, there's just darkness. And the funny thing is, while I was in the Janolan Caves, struggling to try and see, outside it was broad daylight. And there were people there who could see their hands. They could see other people. They could see the creation and the beauty all around them. They could move from A to B without stumbling. Those in the caves are in total darkness. There's the absence of light. Darkness in the Bible represents sin. It represents the absence of God. It represents an ignorance of God, turning a back on God, who's the source of life, to do it your own way. So then, what does it mean to be in the light? What does it mean to be in the light? Three points. And the first of those, simply it means God has shown up. God is that light. God is that spiritual light. So the first thing about living in the light is you need a source of light. You can't live in the light if there is an absence of light. There's got to be that initial revelation of God in our life, that initial switching on the spiritual light to move us from darkness into light eternal. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters and the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. Now, God was not someone in need of light to see what he was doing in creation. You may think of some uh, retired man fumbling around in his tool shed looking to find something to fix that broken wheel of the wooden toy and stumbling around till he could find the light and think ah now we can get on with the job God didn't need the light to make sure he didn't hit his thumb with a hammer the God of all creation has shown up let there be light he's saying I am here it's showtime Let's get into gear. It's a powerful statement of the presence and might of God over creation. Let there be light. I am here. But the statement is not just about creation. It's about us as individual beings. It's God's desire that let there be light is part of our own life, our own experience as well. We read in Isaiah 9, verse 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. For those who live in the land of deep darkness, a light will shine. Then we skip down to verse 6. For a child is born to us, a son is given. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Verses that we often hear around Christmas time. But that was a reference to Jesus some 900 years before his birth. That he would bring God's light to the people living in the land of deep darkness. Jesus would be the light of the world. And we skip into the New Testament. John chapter 1 verses 1 to 3, sorry 1 to 5. In the beginning was the Word, sorry, in the beginning the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Steve referred to one of those verses last week when he was talking about the two aspects of our nature that battle for our attention. So that was said about Jesus. Jesus himself, in John 8, verse 12, said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. Because you will have the light that leads to life. Jesus is that light. Do we know him as that light in our life? The Bible tells us that upon Jesus' death, the earth was covered in darkness for about three hours. And I guess Satan thought he'd won. But what have we just read? The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. While I was writing this yesterday afternoon, there was a knock at the door and I heard a voice say, oh no, they're back. <laughs> you get it. No, you get it. You get it. So it was um, some friendly people who like to visit houses, and like to talk about alternative views of religion. And they'd been a few times when uh, our youngest daughter, Alice, was home. Um, and if you know Alice, she's quite a quiet um, sort of a girl and they'd been uh, hounding her relentlessly and uh, so it was time to say look what you're saying what you're believing isn't what we believe and it's best that you don't come back so I thought well, that's my job. So I had a chat with them and they explained that we were Christians and that um, we're very sure of our salvation and so forth um, that what we believe will be different to them Um, And they were just asking, you know, a few questions about that. And I said, actually, I'm in the middle of writing my sermon for church tomorrow. And uh, one of the ladies said, oh, what's that about? And I said, it's about the light of the world, Jesus being the light of the world. Ah, yes, they said, Jesus was a good man. And, And while he was living with us, he showed us the things we should do. And I said, well, it's actually more than that. The Bible tells us he was the way, the truth, the life. And his light is showing us the way through to salvation. Yes, the things he did were very good things. I said, no, it's deeper than that. It's deeper than that. It's about salvation. It's about him being the son of God and making the way for us to heaven. Um, I don't think we're going to be back But if God created light and his desire is that Jesus, the light of the world, would be with us and show us that light as well, how does it all end up? Revelations twenty-one twenty-three says, The city, and that's referring to heaven, had no need of sun or moon, for the glory of God illuminates the city and the Lamb is its light. So ultimately, there will be no need for any other light source. That it will be sufficient for us just to be with God for eternity. And the light of his glory is all that we'll need. The whole story of creation, of people turning away from God, living in darkness, Jesus being sent to bring us back to God, is simply one of moving from spiritual darkness, the absence of God, to living in the light, ultimately in the very presence of God. So that's the first point about living in light. God shows up. Now the second point about living in the light is perhaps stating the obvious. Those who are taking notes, get ready to write this down. Living in the light means we can see. That's deep, that is deep. Now I don't want to spend too much time on this because it'll be explored in other weeks and the advantage that I have of being first in this series is that I can pretty much say what I want and people who are sitting here thinking, isn't that what I'm preaching on in a couple of weeks' time? I'm going to have to change things around, Graham. So um, I'm expecting that we'll find a bit more about seeing and, uh, and so forth. But very simply, if we've allowed a God to show up and shine his light in our lives, our perspective is totally different. Have you ever arrived somewhere new at night and you really can't see what the place is like? And uh, in the morning, when the light's up, the sun's shining, you can get a good look and see where it is. Many, many years ago, we were camping and um, our kids were only six, seven, eight years old. We're up in the snowy mountains and we thought we'd just do an overnight family camp. I was there with brothers and sisters and we had a whole trip of little kids about this tall and they had their little day packs with a a sleeping bag in it. We drove up to this lovely little spot, parked our cars at the side of the road and sort of walked across um, the fields there to where we thought would be a great camping spot. And uh, I remember um, Eliza especially sort of bouncing around, sort of happy as anything, carrying her little backpack and sleeping bag was in that. And we walked for quite some time and it was getting a bit misty and dark by the time we got there. We set up the tents, there were aunts and uncles and cousins and we had a really wonderful night um, enjoying camping out there up in the snowy mountains. And in the morning as the sun rose and we got out of our tents and started to get the day going, I remember Eliza turning back, Dad, there's our cars. And we'd probably walked all of a kilometre, but with little legs and in the mist and as it was getting dark, you just had a different perspective and it was like we were walking for miles and miles and miles and miles, but we really hadn't gone far at all. So full light of day gives a different perspective. Or maybe you've heard noises in the night and uh, you think, goodness me, what is that? and uh, in the morning it's just a a branch that was scraping on the roof or something like that. The uh, perspective we have can change us. And once we see light, everything is different. So if God is shining his light in our lives, what can we see that we couldn't before? Here's a few Psalms that tell us. Psalm 27 verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? So if God's light is shining on us... We can see the promise of eternity that we couldn't see before. And therefore, we know what happens to us in this life is not as significant. We don't need to be afraid. Psalm 43, verse 3. Send out your light and your truth. Let them guide me. So if we have God's light shining in our life, we can see that we also have God's truth to guide us. No longer do we rely on our own version of the truth. Psalm 97 verse 11. Light shines on the godly and joy on those whose hearts are right. If we have God's light in our life, we can see that life can be joyful even though it may be difficult. Psalm 119, verse 105, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. With that light, we can see confidence in times of uncertainty, clarity in terms of where we're going and direction, and we can know that there's a path and a way for us. Psalm 119, verse 130, the teaching of your word gives light, so even the simple can understand. There's no excuses. Even the simple can understand. So with light in our life, we can see that we can grow and that we can learn. And it doesn't have to be complicated. The third point about living in the light is if we can see, then there's a new perspective. And that new perspective means a new way of living. Let's go back to our key verse, Ephesians 5, verse 8, and read that and a few other verses as well. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, Expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret, but their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them, for the light makes everything visible. This is why it said, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So, light reveals things that we need to deal with. And there are certain expectations of those of us who are living in God's light. If we have a heightened awareness of who God is and what he wants for us, then we also have a greater expectation placed upon us. There are things we we did when we were living in darkness that we have to leave behind. We can't bring them into the light. There's a verse in the book of Job that's even more concise. 38.15, the light disturbs the wicked and stops the arm that is raised in violence. And perhaps you've never raised your arm in violence against someone. But the point is that light can stop us dead in our tracks. When there's things that we're doing in our lives that are not right, and bang, when God's light shines, we must stop. One more story, some years ago I was taking out the rubbish. It was uh, summertime and it was a hot kind of a day. I'd had a shower, was about to go to bed, just wearing my undies. (laughs) And as I walked past the rubbish bin in the kitchen, I thought, that smells. If I don't take that out now, it's going to be really on the nose by the time the morning comes around. So our garbage bin is across the other side of our driveway, and there's a sensor light. (laughs) But I knew that by walking along the very edge of the driveway near the garden, I could avoid the sensor light detection. So there I am, dressed as I've explained already, with a rather full bag of rubbish, creeping along the edge of the driveway towards where the bin was. And in the darkness, I walked into a spider web. So I had the spider web all over me, tripped over, had rubbish all over me, and bing! (laughs) I stopped dead in my tracks. I just laughed. I thought, what can you do? But the point is that we behave differently in the light than we do in the dark. Now, I wonder what God might be challenging you about that. What is it that God's light has been shining on in your life, that little niggly thing you don't feel quite comfortable about? And God's just saying, hey, you're a child of the light now. I'm shining light on this thing, and you need to do something about it. In 1 John 1.5, we read, This is the message... once again, this is the challenge that Steve outlined last week. We have our human sinful nature, the darkness, opposed to our new nature, the light. But I came across a comment as I was reading this week that explained it really well. What it does it mean to walk in the light? What does that really mean? Very simply, let the progression of your life be towards God. Walking in the light, let the progression of your life be towards God. So walking in the light means you are moving. It's not standing in the light. So life is progressing, but we're walking towards the light, and I love that. And there's times that we'll stumble and do things wrong, and um, really not uh, do what God would want. But overall, our desire is to walk towards the light, to have our back to the darkness to focus on God. If that's our conscious decision, we can be confident that when we do stumble, that the blood of Jesus, the light of the world, purifies us from our sins. I guess there's a wonderful example of all of this in the New Testament, the character Saul, who eventually was known as Paul. As Saul, as someone who didn't, follow God he actively was persecuting the followers of Jesus he had permission from authorities to track them down to arrest them to bring them back to Jerusalem in chains chains and I'm sure many know the story that on his way to Damascus he was met by the real and living God and we read from Acts 9 verses 3 through to 6 As he, that's Saul, was approaching Damascus on his mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. And when he got up from that experience, he was blind and he had to be led into Damascus to a house. And he was there for three days without uh, eating or drinking. I think I would have lost my appetite too. And meanwhile, God spoke to a man, Ananias, who somewhat reluctantly went to the house where Paul was to pray for him. And Paul's vision returned. And after eating and regaining his strength, he immediately began preaching in the synagogue saying, Jesus really is the Son of God. The authorities didn't like this. It was such a remarkable about turn. And they planned to kill him. But with the help of the believers, he escaped. The three points I've mentioned all happened to Saul. Number one, God showed up in an incredible way. There was that visible light that was that revelation And that turnaround, that point of salvation, that Saul could suddenly see a lot of things he didn't understand before. That light brought this whole new awareness to him. And for Saul, that new perspective meant a new way of living. Totally different. Totally different way of living. Now that same person, Paul wrote the letter to the Ephesians, along with many other books of the New Testament. So when he wrote these words once you were full of darkness but now you have light from the Lord so live as people of light he knew exactly what he was talking about. It wasn't some idea that came to him he'd lived that, he experienced it. But if you read through that chapter 9 you'll notice the full impact of Paul seeing the light. And I want to point this out and Peter was alluding to it um, earlier today that Paul's salvation wasn't just for Paul. It was for the believers around him and following him, and even today. That we are people who benefit from his salvation that happened thousands of years ago. But for the believers at the time, only a few days prior to that, they were living in absolute fear of this person, hiding from him, There was persecution and unrest, people being taken away to prison in jail. And now here he was preaching to them, encouraging them, teaching them about God, building them up in their faith. And they were protecting his life. How crazy is that? I guess if it was a movie, someone had written this script, the producers would say, oh, it's a bit far-fetched. I don't think we could do that. But as a result, and we read in Acts 9.31... The church then had peace throughout Judea, Galilee and Samaria. And it became stronger as the believers lived in fear, not scared fear, but reverent fear, of the Lord. And with encouragement of the Holy Spirit, it also grew in numbers. So Paul's experience of living in the light, moving from darkness, certainly was for his own salvation, but... It was also for the salvation of others. And it's the same for us. That initial God has arrived moment, that light, that awareness, is for your salvation. It's so that in eternity you can be with God and need no other source of light. It's for you. Don't mistake it. But it doesn't rest there. It's for the benefit and the salvation of others as well. If it just stops with you, as Peter said today, It's not going where it should go. But it's not just for yourself and those who don't believe. It's also for the body of Christ. Here's something to think about. Is your salvation, your experience of the light of God in your life, strengthening this church? Strengthening this body of believers? Or strengthening the wider body of believers? Because God showed up for you, and switched on the light what impact is that having on those around you we're going to wrap up with a song I'll get Luke to come up and get ready it's an old song perhaps in some ways but the words are very applicable during this song I want you to think about your own life If your life is still in darkness, if this whole concept of God showing up is foreign to you, then that's your first step, realising that the darkness in your life is an absence of the presence of God, and you need to invite him in and shine that light within. That's the starting point. That's the starting point. Because you can't do anything with light if you don't have a source of light. Simple as that. If you know that light in your life, while we're hearing the song, think through what it is that you now see that you couldn't see before. What is it that God's trying to show you, reveal to you? What is it that you're wrestling with? God wants to shine some light on that. Are there areas, little pockets of darkness that you know deep down don't belong? And is there something there that you've got to expose to God's light? Or maybe the concept of walking in the light, a light progressing towards God, is something that you're wrestling with. You keep turning back to look at the darkness rather than focus on the light. Or maybe even there's some new light or new understanding of God that you are being aware of. And he wants to lead you in a totally different direction. But that can be really scary you see the light, you see a path, and all of a sudden God's shining the light in this direction. You say, but, but God, are I heading there? He said, well, you were. That's where you need to go now. And there could be people here who are facing a really big challenge. Light in a new direction. That's a scary thing. But be confident. The Lord is your light and salvation. Why should you be afraid? Why should you be afraid? Your salvation is not just for yourself. What purpose, what new direction might God have for you? As we're hearing the song and you're thinking through these things, just ask God, what is it? What is it, Lord, that your light is revealing to me? If during the song you want to come down and pray, I'll be here to pray with you. There'll be others who'll step forward as well. But maybe you just want to do business with God in the quiet of your chair, and that's fine too.